Okay. Um, today is Thursday, June 1st, uh, 2017, and this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group. And tonight we're discussing uh, Good Night June by Sarah Gio. Uh, Sarah Gio was born in 1978 in Washington State, and she graduated from Western Washington University with a degree in journalism. Her first novel, The Violets of March, was published in 2011 and was chosen by Library Journal as a best book of that year. And she's written, I think, five or six other novels, and her her books have been published in more than 25 countries. Tonight's novel, uh, Good Night June, was published in 2014. Um, Booklist, in in the review and booklist, they said that this eminently readable novel with particular appeal for fans of children's literature is a tribute to family and forgiveness. And Kirkus Reviews said that Geo sprinkles the book with sunny messages about being the author of your own life. Um, Sarah Geo is also a very well-established magazine writer, and she used to write a column for Glamour magazine. And she lives in Seattle with her husband and three sons. So, um, you know, we read a book a couple of months ago, um, The Same Sky, if you remember, and that had a dual storyline as well as this book. This book also had a dual storyline. There was the story of June, which was a, a contemporary story, and then there was the story of her Aunt Ruby, which was more of a historical story. So um, why don't we see what everybody thought of the book, and um, if you'd like, you can tell us, you know, did you like one of the storylines more than the other, or were you, were you interested in, in both of them? Yeah, this is uh, Joshua. I gotta say first, uh, Michelle. I gotta say this book. This book is much, much better in my opinion. A million times better than than, than, than last month we did that uh, Commonwealth book by Ann Patchett. Ugh. Uh, this book is like a million times better than that book. I gotta say I like the book quite a bit. I mean, this is the kind of book I'm, I can't, can't say that I. Oh my gosh, this is the best book I've read. I absolutely love this book. This I would I would say for me for me this is a nice. A nice, very, uh, a kind of heartwarming. You could definitely. It was a very heartfelt read. Um, she, uh, and I got to say, she. I thought for me, Sarah did a really good job. Um, bo- doing both storylines, she did a wonderful job. It was not that hard. I mean, when you were reading a letter, to get into to, to care about Mar- Margaret and Ruby, and then when she went back to her own life, it, I, mean, it, I mean, she did the time switches really really well i mean it didn't seem very jarring to me or forced it was really i was very well done i thought i i i enjoyed both storylines equally as much and i think i think you could if you i think you could definitely kind of see the parallels between 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 you know that all the the, all the, the different sisters margaret and roberta um uh, ruby and cecilia and of course june and June and uh, Amy, you could see the, the parallels between them all. And the little twist I thought was really, really cool. You know, the twist at the end, you know, when you find out that the, 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 the JP, that the, the, the baby was actually June herself, I thought that was a very, very cool, very nice little twist that wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, wasn't like, oh, it was, it was a little surprising, but it wasn't jar- a kind of a jarring surprise. She did it, she did it very well, and, um, I really liked how she mentioned other characters in the book. I, I was cool when she mentioned Clive Custler because I've, I've always been a big uh, Clive Clive Custler fan. I love his Dirk Pitt series; they're great. If you haven't a chance to read them, check them out. 
But um, yeah, I really liked the book. It's, it was it was very nice, very nice read. And also Abigail Malpin, I'd never heard her read before. She was really good, fantastic narrator for this book. Yeah, this is Alan. Uh, uh, I, I love this book. Uh, I mean, I. I've always liked Margaret Wise Brown because when my kids were little, I read to them every night, and we read Goodnight Moon over and over and over again. And uh, uh, yeah, I read it so many times I used to have it memorized, uh, which you know, it's not hard to memorize; it's, it's pretty basic. But uh, uh, you know, I, I was fully sighted back then when I was reading, so I just so enjoyed looking at those pictures and reading that story every night. And it was just a relaxing, just a very relaxing. Uh, uh, novel and you know Clement Hurd did all the illustrations and just uh, uh, I've always been a big fan so I knew I wanted to read this book when I saw that it was going to you know tie a, a fictional story around uh, Margaret Wise Brown but I, I thought both of the storylines were were excellently done uh, I, I liked them both as did Joshua uh, uh, Ruby's uh, story was was very well done. I like the way they did the letters back and forth between uh, between uh, Ruby and Margaret. I thought that was that was very well done, and the transition between the time periods was handled very well, and uh, it, you know had enough romance and a nice happy ending. Yeah, you know, I just uh, you know, I, I liked it. I liked that kind of story, and I, I just thought it was was very well done, and I had a nice visit back uh, into my past and stuff. So uh, thanks for picking this. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I thought this was a really feel-good book, and I liked everything you guys have mentioned. I was really surprised that June ended up being the baby. I didn't expect that. However, being the twisted person I am, I was half afraid that Gavin was going to end up being Ruby's uh, long-lost son, and that would kind of nix that romance. That's the only thing I didn't like was the romance. I was kind of like, oh, give me a break. These people just met, and here he is dumping his previous fiance, or they're splitting up and splitting up the business, and now she's going to go into business with him after, what, less than a year? Um, but I did like the book a lot. I thought there were a lot of good themes in here of, you know, forgiveness and sisterhood and love of reading and things like that, and it made it really enjoyable. And I noticed that Liz joined us, so welcome, Liz, and I'll be anxious to hear what you thought of the book. Hi, Liz. Thanks, thanks for coming. It's, it's really nice that, that you could join us this evening. Um, I just mentioned a little bit when we started, just a little bit of information about Sarah Geo. I don't know if you've ever read any of her books before. Um, this book was published in 2014, um, and her first book was published in 2011, and she's from Washington State, was where she lives now. Um, and it's funny, I actually read this book I, probably more than a year ago and then when Sherry picked it for this evening the only thing that I remembered about this book was um, that Bill Gates made an appearance in it that was the only thing I remembered so I kept waiting when is Bill Gates going to show up when is he going to show up um, and of course as Joshua said Clive Cussler also also appeared um, and the other thing I had remembered about it was when I read it the first time I liked the historical storyline better than I liked the contemporary storyline but this time I actually like both of them the same so it's funny when you read books Again, sometimes you just have different reactions, um, and I, I, I really did like June. Um, you know, I, I felt, you know, I, I kind of understood her plight that she was very caught up in her career, and she was estranged from her family, and um, 
you know, and they had some flashbacks about when she was growing up and, and you know, the difficulties about that. Um, and I, I did actually like that storyline. I, I did also really like the friendship between uh, Ruby and Margaret Weiss Brown. I really liked the letters. You got a really good sense of what their lives were like. And as it turned out, Ruby had a whole bunch of secrets <laughs> that June didn't know anything about. She had an affair with Anthony Magnuson. She gave birth to a child, as we all know, who that child turned out to be. And even she wasn't even aware of the letters that were exchanged between Ruby and Margaret Weiss Brown. So there was really just a whole bunch of different secrets and stuff in the story. But why don't we see what, what Liz, what you thought of the book? I really enjoyed this book. Um, I liked... Uh, you know, I like the element of mystery. I love the scavenger hunt thing. That was fun. Um, you know, some of the, as I think, I think uh, Sherry said that uh, you know the romance. You know, it's kind of like a whirlwind thing. The kind of thing that you know, you you know, you, romance novels do. But one of the things that I really, for me personally, it reminded me or it brought up the. A whole um, when when borders closed because the original borders clo- store was here in Ann Arbor, and it just had you know a very cozy feel. They had all these cozy little you know uh, settings, and they had children's tables, and it, it was and it was how how sad that the the kind of old fashioned bookstore. We've still got a few, but you know most of them are going like the Barnes and Noble way. So it it, it brought that up for me. Um, I was also shocked. I really didn't expect June to be the baby, um, <laughs> and and like I think she, I think it was Sherry said too that um, for a minute I thought, oh gosh, what if it's Gavin? You know, <laughs> but I enjoyed the book. It was it was a departure from some of the more serious stuff that I tend to get myself into. So I, it, it and it had a happy ending. I, I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. that That's interesting about the bookstore, because I also thought a lot about um, bookstores that I used to go to all the time, and very slowly, they're all, I live in New York City, and they're all disappearing, all of these independent bookstores. Um, there's hardly, there's, there's a few here and there, but basically there just is Barnes & Noble, and then there's a few little independent stores here and there and this just seemed like the other thing I kept thinking about is anybody's ever seen the movie You've Got Mail which is about a children's bookstore that goes out of business because of a big bookstore so I thought you know that it sort of reminds me about that that movie also um, I don't what did you think about all the, the like the theme about sisters in the story there was a lot of different I hope I have everybody's name right there was June and Amy and then there was Ruby, and her, I think her sister was Lucille, and there was Margaret and her sister Roberta. And um, I have one sister, but she's much younger than I am. We're almost nine years apart, so I don't think we have that same kind of like, you know, sometimes when sisters are really close in age, they have a different kind of a, a relationship. So what, what did you all think about, like, the, the sisters? Or, or if you don't have sisters, like, just the idea of siblings and having difficulty with siblings. Oh, this is Joshua. I think I think having I think having difficulties with siblings to me that seems pretty natural. I mean, from I know at least in my family. I, I, I mean, you know that I'm older, of course. I've got one, one, one sister. Uh, my old, my uh, the oldest sister, Megan. Her and, I, her and I were pretty we're pretty close. Like she, she so quite often we 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 usually like go out to lunch together. Like today, unexpectedly, Megan she calls me up and she's like, "We're I'm going to be in the area. Would you like me to pick you up? Would you like to go to?" Uh, would you like to go out to lunch? We've we've done that we've done that you know quite a bit before. We you know going out to 
got to lunch because she's got she's got my niece, my niece, uh, my niece and nephew with her too, a little uh, Sophia and Gideon, and we 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 went out and had lunch today, and uh, and everything would, would yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I think you know some sometimes it depends. You're going to be closer to some siblings than others, and I'm I'm really glad they were able to forgive each other because. It was kind of nice. I do agree with Sherry. The romance was a little. I'm like, I thought, okay, I, it's not exactly believable, but it was kind of nice that through the romance aspect of it, uh, she, uh, June was able to, to forgive Amy a little bit better because first she's like, oh my gosh, Amy, Amy betrayed my, you know, my trust by you know being with my boy, my my you know my uh, fiance practically, you know, but then she's like, I can kind of get over this because what happened. But I, I do think that uh, you know. Um, it, it, it just depends on age too. I think if you're, you know, if you're around the same age, you tend to be closer to, you know, uh, someone if they're if they're younger, like uh, like Michelle said. Yeah, I thought the sister relationships were all very interesting, and you can certainly understand why June would be upset with Amy. But I'm glad too that she was able to forgive her in the end. It's just unfortunate that it was Amy's illness that brought that about. Um, I was interested in the relationship with Ruby and Anthony and Anthony's family because I had mixed feelings about Anthony. You know, he's supposed to be this great guy she fell in love with, and he bought her the store and stuff, but he he really did treat his other family pretty shabbily, and it's kind of understandable why his daughter May turned out to be so resentful, and it seemed like in the end she wasn't as bad of a person as it appeared that she was going to be at the beginning. Yeah, I, I thought she did the the sister stuff. Uh, she handled that very well too, and uh, I, I enjoyed the uh, uh, you know the the tension between the you know the, the various pairs of sisters and how they they it seemed like Margaret had a had the most success in reconciling with her sister of of, of the three groupings, and I, it was just it was breaking my heart about uh, about June though because I, I kept thinking you know you know something's wrong with your sister you can't be you can't be blowing her off like that it's time to it's time to forgive and forget and move on and stuff and i'm glad she was able to uh i'm glad they tied that off nice and neatly you know before sister died and everything because that would have been that would have been horrible but uh that's i mean that's that's life folks seem to have a way of uh messing stuff up it seemed like the closer the closer they should be the uh the, the more tension there is at times but uh uh, I thought she did a good job portraying all that. And it all it all seemed it all seemed believable. Well, just kind of to piggyback what Sherry was saying about Anthony and his his wife and his daughter. One thing that I really was I, I'm very interested in hearing other people's reactions to because I was really surprised and not in a good way. When June wrote to May, Anthony's daughter, after she discovered the letters, you know, between Anthony and Margaret, I, I said to myself, you know, why is she writing to this woman? This, you know, obviously Anthony had this long affair with Margaret, and even though June really wants, you know, to find out more about Anthony, should he really be going to her daughter? You know, I mean, I just was really you know startled in in not a good way and i actually thought that was 
wrong. I mean, it helped the story go along. But in real life, I, I just didn't think that was, you know, the, the nicest thing. I think, you know, she could have tried to find out about him maybe in a different way. What, what did you all think? I was actually quite surprised by that, too, um, that she wrote to me. I, I don't know that I would have done that. But getting back to the sister things, I have a sister who's 18 months younger, and we're very close and have been close for a while, but there have been times where we were really, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? um, there were some serious problems between us. <clears throat> um, but, you know, it's all about kind of, accepting each other for who you are and allowing them to be the person who they are and that's not always an easy thing to do and and um but you know so it's a it's a give and take situation i have to give a shout out to the cat though i loved that <laughs> i'm a cat person so when the kid the kitten showed up just for the you know and it was pretty fun i liked that i second the cat yeah i'd forgotten about that till you mentioned it yeah i don't think um June should have written May either. I also thought it was interesting that, you know, May had been trying to figure out, um, I guess she, if I remember right, she knew that Ruby had a baby, and she had been trying to find her too. So you'd think she would have taken the same steps that June did, and you would think she would have found the answer. But um, I don't remember. How did June find out that she was, oh, yeah, it was in the letter. Um, But you would think May would have found out some information on, you know, online or doing some of the same research June was trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was just surprised. I said to myself, you know, I don't know that you should write to the daughter of the person that your aunt had an affair with. It just struck me as not the nicest thing to do. I know she, you know, that they were all dead and everything at this point, but still, it could be kind of painful. Um, but I, I also had a really strong sense of the different time periods in the story. Like, I really liked the letters very much between Margaret and Ruby, um, and you sort of had the sense of, you know, what it was like to be a woman who didn't follow the conventional path at that time. Um, you know, one was a writer, another had a bookstore, and they both... You know, even though they had relationships with men, they both weren't married. I think, you know, well, one of them had a child, but it wasn't, you know, it was kind of a, a late thing in life, and, and it was hidden. Um, and it was interesting to me to, you know, get the different sense of, of the time periods, um, you know, which I really definitely had from, from this story. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, it was funny. I was sort of ambivalent about the relationship between Ruby and Margaret in terms of, like, feeling like sisters they kept saying oh you're more like my sister than my real sister um which i understand sometimes happens you know you you don't have the best relationship with your own sister so sometimes you become really close to another woman and they feel like sisters um but i wasn't really sure if it was exactly the same so i sort of you know i felt like they were just really really good friends but maybe not exactly the same as sisters but i i did really like the way there was I had a real strong sense of the different time periods. I thought she did that really well in the story. Oh, oh, yeah, and it, it, I, I agree with you, Michelle. And yeah, it, it was very, that was very, very well done. And uh, I, it was fun. It was fun all the day. Like the, the, when they kept saying, Ruby, Ruby kept saying, "No, you have to, you have to come up to, you know, to, to, you have to come to Washington and see to see me, Seattle. You have to see me." And, then, and when she did, 
they were saying how much fun they had, and then the, the time, time when Anthony, when, when they all, when, the, when Margaret, um, Ruby, and Anthony, when they all went to Florida, and they got to meet, and like she's like, oh yeah, it was so fun. We got to meet Ernest Hemingway. That was cool. We just walked him to his, walked him to his door, and uh, he answered, and he took us in. And we had drinks. That was, that was, that was, that was pretty cool that you get to meet, you know, a famous literary, you know, person, you know, like Hemingway. I mean, that would be, would be kind of cool getting to say, getting to say that you met, you know, a uh, famous author like that. I mean. Another minor character that I admired was Adriana, Gavin's ex-fiance. I think it takes a lot of maturity to work together with your ex to maintain a business and uh, separate things, you know, in a mature, intelligent, non-confrontational way. Um, also, um, oh, I thought it was a nice touch to have Bill Gates show up. That was just kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was kind of weird that. Um what was her name, June walked into the restaurant and she saw Adriana, you know, he was zipping up her dress and she's like, oh my God, they're back together. Like, I don't know. I thought that was a little fast that she made that judgment. I mean, I can understand it, but I just thought, I don't know. And it was, I mean, that restaurant, he obviously was a very good cook and he kept bringing over all these meals for her all the time. So I thought that was really nice. But the one thing that I made myself a little note was that Gavin, first he goes into business with Adriana to open the Italian restaurant, and now he wants to go into business with June to open the Bluebird Bookshop and Cafe. And I wrote myself this this note saying, good idea or bad pattern. So I don't know if he's just a little too quick to go into business with all of his girlfriends. What, what do you all think? I, don't, I didn't really have an opinion. Of it. That whole it just seemed like a fiction line. The thing about... Um, June jumping to the conclusions with Adriana, I think that that was really like a, a little post-traumatic reaction to what had happened between her sister and her fiancé. And that's why I think she jumped pretty quickly to that conclusion. Um, anyway, that was my opinion of that. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too, that it just brought back memories of her sister. Otherwise, maybe she wouldn't have jumped to that conclusion. Yeah, and I, and I can see where you're going with the... Uh, uh, he he's quick to he seemed a little quick to to to, to fall and and then go into business with with, with his uh, with his uh, uh, lady friends. So uh, I, I I don't know that 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 can be uh, that, that that sounds real good in, in, in a, a romance novel, I guess. And when you're first starting out a relationship, but I have a feeling it'd get a little tiresome after a while. Uh, 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 and, and and maybe I just uh, uh, don't don't have never had the right kind of relationship. But I I think it's good to have some some time apart from your spouse. And if you're you're with them all the time at home, you're with them all the time at work too. I just I think it's kind of uh, it, it can be hazardous. Yeah, that's actually an interesting question, Alan. You know, because I, I, you know you always hear about these people that work together and live together, and they just seem to get along really well. And, you know, I always wonder, like, do they get tired of each other? Do they need some time apart or something like that? But some people just don't seem to. Like, some people just are just happy to be with, you know, somebody, and and that's how they are. So I guess it just depends on your temperament. Um, And, I mean, I I actually like the romance between June and Gavin. I mean, you know, if you kind of really 
look at it and you say to yourself, well, you know, like I, my first thought was this guy just seems so perfect. You know, he's just so emotionally supportive and he knows how to cook really well and he's always there for her. You know, how, I kept thinking to myself, why is he available, this guy? Why isn't he with somebody? You know, he's just walking around this perfect guy. But it's nice sometimes to read about, you know, these kind of relationships that are easy and there's not that many obstacles and it just kind of works out. So, you know, if he didn't have that relationship with Adriana where he went into business with her, I would have said, oh, you know, this is all working out well. But then I said to myself, well, he already did this once and he's doing it again. So I don't know. I guess you have to, you know, just kind of go with it sometimes and not maybe not worry about this this all the time. I, I don't know. But it was, you know, it was it was a nice relationship, I thought. Um, yeah, I, I just remembered that it seems like he explained that he and Adriana got involved very quickly, too, um, and that her family kind of pulled him into the relationship. Um, but, yeah, I found myself thinking, why can't we all have a Gavin in our lives? <laughs> he, he did seem awfully awfully good to be uh, uh, awfully good partner material. <laughs> well, did you guys feel that June was good partner material, too? <laughs> too good to be true? I would, I would say one bit. Once she started, once she started like totally calming down and not stressing out, man, that job, no wonder she, no wonder she, no wonder she went to the emergency room at the beginning of the book and had to go in the hospital for high blood pressure because she was just so like, I mean, there, there's no way in heck nobody could wonder. I mean, nobody, 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 nobody will be able to work, you know, nonstop as many hours as she did. I mean, no wonder she was having a, a, that, you know, blood pressure issues and heart, you know, and, the, and the, all the issues she's having because. She was just, you know, she was trying way too much, and it's like, you know, I can't do this anymore, you know, so it's, once she started calming down and kind of relaxing a little bit and kind of not being so focused on, you know, I have to be the best banker, I have to be the best, the best, the best, you know, she kind of like, it's like, and then she, when she started, she started thinking about other people kind of beside other situations besides herself, you kind of, her character kind of started to, you know, come through a little bit, at least, at least that's how I saw it anyway. Um, I thought June was um, a likable enough person, but she really had a lot of complicated issues going on. And uh, I think Gavin was the character that was just very calm. And, and you know, June June needed somebody like that because she was a little bit of a mess herself. Um, but not, a, you know, a likable mess. Yeah, uh, the, the part I had the, the biggest problem with, that, that I, with respect to believability, I think, is that... Uh, I mean, she seemed like she was a nice person, and and I'm not sure that somebody that that came from her background. And of course, I know we're we're getting a broad brush view of her and stuff, but I find it hard to believe that somebody that that seems basically nice that that is brought up a certain way would go into that line of work where you're shutting businesses down. It's like, I really think it takes a certain kind of person to do that for a living. And uh, it, it just, it, it seemed kind of contradictory to me. But, you know, I, and, and I realize I'm, I'm probably being hypercritical, but uh, it, it's just that uh, uh, I, I, I could never work in a job like that. Even if, even if I was suited to running the numbers and stuff like that, I could never be happy with myself doing that kind of job. It just—it didn't really seem to fit with her character and stuff. But hey, uh, I, I can say I'm probably—I'm probably overanalyzing. Well, you know, her—I mean, I think that—I think that you're right. I think they painted her job kind of in broad strokes, and 
that you know you were supposed to as as people do you know people always say well it's not personal it's business and whatever and you know there definitely are people that go in and close you know all these places that that are not being very profitable the small businesses and and there are you know there are there are these kind of people that this is their job you know they work for banks and they have to notify people and they have to you know, get people to vacate the establishments and whatever. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it, it's sort of interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a particularly brave person, and I don't know how easy it would be for me to, like, upend my life and go live someplace else, you know, like have my life established in one place and then just move to another place. And that's what it kind of reminded me of. I knew that she came from this from this area, but she wasn't that close to her her adopted mom and she wasn't an, or close to her sister and I did kind of wonder like what was drawing her back to Seattle you know was it just the bookshop that was drawing her back or did she just want to escape from her life and and go to a, you know a nicer sort of town and I, I don't know have any of you ever done that like sort of picked yourself up from one place and then moved to another place and, and you know do you think it's an easy thing to do or, or not such an easy thing to do well, I think part of what drew her back to start with was the love of her aunt, and she certainly intended just to go back and sell the business. And you got to wonder if her aunt figured that would be the case, and that's why she sent her on this whole scavenger hunt with all the letters and stuff, is to draw her in and make her care about the bookstore, which certainly worked. And I think that's a good point, Alan. Somebody with her personality you wouldn't think would be well suited to the kind of job she had originally in New York and instead of, um, you know, working at this bookstore and doing something that's admirable and stuff like that. As far as relocating, I, yeah, I've done that a couple of times. It's definitely not easy in the sense of all the little hassles that you have to do with changes of address and all that stuff. That's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, I- I think it would be really hard just to uproot yourself and move across country like that. It, 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 I, I'm not cut out of that cloth, and, uh, and and I know people always say that about it, 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 it's not personal, it's business. But but it's always personal. I mean, when you're talking about a small business. I mean, a lot of times that's those people's lives and stuff. So uh, it, it would just be real hard for me to do that. And I, and I realize somebody ends up having to do it. But it, it, it it's just hard because I, I think it's I think it's I can it can be devastating for the for the parties involved. But uh, hey, that that's me. I wouldn't be able to do that myself, and and that's probably why June had to be on the um, the you know she developed a panic disorder because she was doing something that was really opposed to her natural personality. Um, so yeah, I was going to say something else, and I just can't remember what it was so if i think about it i'll get back on guys here's something we never, we never talked about yet. what do you guys think about the ending when, when arthur was the one that actually he kind of did have the heart and he's like you know what don't worry about it i'm going to totally uh i'm going to I'm going to totally rip up this notice don't worry about owing this doing the the bank for the bookstore he even he even said he would he said, said he would take care of it out of his own pocket being the president he definitely would have uh, enough money to handle it i mean they said it was over thirty thousand dollars i'm like dang that must over that, it must have been some uh, some debt that bookstore was under. At least that's what I'm guessing. That was, that was a very nice that he actually did kind of have a heart after all. Yeah, it was nice that he had a heart. And, you know, obviously it was his personal relationship with June that, that prompted him to do this. But, I mean, it, 
it, this book was published in 2014, which really isn't all that long ago. And, um, you know, for people that buy print books, it is so much cheaper to buy books on the Internet than it is to go to bookstores, even though, you know, if you go to Barnes & Noble or whatever, they discount books. But they don't really discount them very much. They only discount paper book back books 10%. So... Um, you know, I spent a lot of time when I was younger um, in bookstores. I loved bookstores, and I would spend a lot, a lot of time going through books and discovering authors and, you know, finding things that I wanted to read and try. So I have so many really fond memories of being in bookstores, but I don't think kids now are going to have those kind of memories because all these places are closing. They just, they don't, um, the prices the prices that they sell the books for are just too high so you know if you want to buy a hardcover book now it's like $25 I mean it's very very expensive and there's not that many people that have that kind of money that they you know if you could buy it for half the price on the on Amazon or something like that why would you go into the bookstore so people sometimes I think go into bookstores and browse around and sometimes people buy books but I think Anybody that has a computer and likes to read, I think inevitably they kind of meander their way over to Amazon or one of these other places because it's, or they take it out of the library because um, books are just too expensive. Um, and years ago they were expensive, but they're not expensive like they are now. Um, so I don't know how these places actually survive. I, I really don't. It's, I like when there's little neighborhood bookstores, but honestly, I just don't think it's a business model that, that can survive that well these days. Well, another thing is, Michelle, uh, for, for, for us who are blind and visually impaired, uh, bookstores, uh, they're not the place to get audiobooks from. Very, very, very expensive. Very expensive. I mean, I, I remember this was, even this was, even this was far back as like 2005, 2006, 2004 when I was at the School for the Blind. My roommate that I had 2006 or so was, he, he bought himself at a bookstore. He bought the, the fifth book in the Harry Potter series, which was Order of the Phoenix. And then, and then, and then, and then it was, I think it was like, what did that book, I think that it was something like, what was that book? Something like 20, 25, 26 CDs. It could cost him about 80 bucks. I mean, 80 bucks, and here, you know, I was able to get that book, uh, I was able to get the book from Audible. I just, I went to Audible, and okay, and now, interestingly enough, it did take Audible many, many years in order to get the Harry Potter books, but they finally got them because of all, the, they kept getting all the bunch of letters and a bunch of emails, people saying, we want the books, we want the books, and they were finally able to get them, but I mean, here, here and my friend paid $80 for the book on CD, and CDs, while they sound great, if you scratch a CD, uh, by, there goes the book, and you, good luck in trying to get another. You can't get another. You can't get a replacement disc if one scratches. So that's why the the audible books are are much nicer because 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 the, the, the version I got read by Jim Dale, and that's who the, who does the CDs and stuff. So um, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, it's you're right about that, Michelle. And bookstores are nice, but I mean, you know, audio books and stuff especially. Yeah, it's it's so expensive. We'd much much rather get it, you know, from Audible or. Or, or from Bard for us sometimes, too. I think one of the, the things that I really, really liked about the book was all the different creative things that Ruby did in that bookstore. She didn't just rely on book sales, but she had, you know, like her young authors group where the kids would come in and actually create their own books, um, you know, in the reading circles and, you know, just different things that she would do, different activities. Um, and if that's, you know, if you're living in a, you know, kind of a 
um, I, I can't think of the word that I'm using, but you know, an area where people like community-based things, um, they might be drawn into a bookstore for the activities, as you know, not necessarily the book sales. But yeah, I do remember when Borders was, you know, we'd go look at the audiobooks and they would be outrageously expensive. So yeah, getting them on Audible or, or through Bard is the way I'm going to do it too. Yeah, I, I used to love going to bookstores uh, back, you know, back before I lost my vision and stuff. And it was they, they were just fun, just the great places to uh, go and and handle the the books and browse and, and and stuff like that. But then I've always loved libraries too. So I've just places where you can get books and get your hands on books and stuff. So, uh, and, and y'all are right, audio books are are very expensive. So uh, when uh, the Deathly Hallows came out, the seventh book in the Potter series in 2007. I had my name on the list at the library. I went out and checked out the audio book and ripped it to CD on, on my computer and then then got after it. So uh, uh, the, the, there's always a way uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to to save a few bucks if, if you know how to do it. But uh, uh, the, reading is great, and I hope... If folks are going to be reading now on computers or, or whatever, I just hope they keep reading. Uh, that, that, that's the main thing. And then uh, whatever bookstores will survive will survive, I guess. But uh, uh, it's the, it, it's doing the reading that's the important thing. Yeah, I definitely second that. I have fond memories back when I could read print books, too, of going to bookstores and hanging out for long periods of time and checking out books and stuff. And you're right. Uh, the programs that she had at the bookstore just enhanced everybody's experience. That's what all the people seem to remember is being taken to that bookstore when they were children and being read to. And kids love to be read to. And it's nice that a bookstore would do that. I mean, it's good for business. It's good for the kids. It's good for the parents. It's just a a win-win situation all the way around. I, I don't know how many children's bookstores actually do that, but I would hope a lot of them do. I know a lot of libraries have programs like that for kids yeah a lot of libraries do have those kind of programs for kids and a lot of bookstores do do as well but where i live there's a barnes and noble right near me and they don't really have reading programs for kids which i find amazing because they do have a kids section children's section and they should really have you know somebody reading books at certain times but the the more independent bookstores um, they definitely always have children's reading time, you know, like 11 o'clock in the morning or, you know, sometime during the day. You know, it gives it's very nice for, for young parents. They can take their kids into the bookshop. They can meet other people in the area. Like Liz was saying, it becomes like a community uh, activity, and I think it's, it's really important. And I think that independent bookstores, unfortunately, have to, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, whatever, they do have to do these kind of activities to get people into, into interested in the store, but I do think it's the price of the books that are just making people go to the internet. Um, whether you buy a print book or an audio book, it's just so expensive, and I don't know why they can't lower the prices of the books, and, and you know, it doesn't have to be $25 for a hardcover book or $45 for an audio book. I, I can't imagine why it's so astronomically expensive, so 
I, I often think if they lowered the prices, they might sell. You know, they would be more competitive with the Internet, but pretty much anybody that can use a computer, and if they want a book, they're going to get it on the Internet because it's just who wants to spend that kind of money? I mean, unless you have so much money, it doesn't make a difference. But, um, but I think it's really unfortunate for children because that's how children get interested in books. They go to a bookstore for, you know, children's reading hour or they, their parents take them to the library. You know, there has to be a way for them to get involved in reading. I don't think going to school necessarily, you're always going to get drawn into reading. And I think that, you know, having these stores and these story hours is really, really a good way for people to get exposed to, to books. And they're fun and they're with other kids and they're all laughing. And it's, it's really, it's a very enjoyable experience. I really liked the concept of, you know, the combining the restaurant with the, the bookstore because when they started putting coffee shops in the bookstores, it was it was great. We would have, you know, sometimes groups of, of, you know, friends would get together for, you know, coffee and everybody would grab a book and, you know, it, it was just, it, it added to the experience. Um, so... You know, I, I liked that that concept that they were going to do. Yeah, that, I definitely agree with you, and I think one of the reasons one of the reasons that I like books as much as I do, um, everyone, is because when I was younger, when I was younger, one, my mom did take me to the library. Um, I did take me to the, to the library, and we did do story hour. I enjoyed that. I, you know how much I really enjoyed that. And I remember, and I remember, my, my mom she used to read books to me as a as when I was much younger, and I thought how neat, my mom, she, she had a pretty good, she had a pretty good, really good reading voice, and mom was always fun to get to, uh, you know, get, uh, get to do that, and, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, like, I, I do agree with you, I mean, if your kids are not exposed to story hours of the library, like, like, like my sister, my sister Megan, she took her, she took my niece, Sophia, she told me that they were going, they were going to a library for a story hour today, and Sophia, she got to play with the kids, and I guess they had, they had, they had different, they had different crafts, like she showed me, she made, she made this uh, a paper giraffe. Sophia did, so she, Sophia showed me her giraffe. I thought how neat that they were able to do, you know, arts and crafts and get to play with the, you know, the play with the kids afterwards. So they, so they had a, it was a fun, fun thing for them to, them to do, and you know, and everything. And uh, yeah, it is nice with the coffee coffee shops and with the bookstores because I remember with. Barnes Noble, my 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 college, uh, Rock Valley College, and I was going there. Uh, they they uh, I got um, from the library. They asked there was a uh, they do a, they do a fundraiser every 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 year at the uh, at the Barnes and Noble, and I've been and uh, for a few for a few years I I've, I've been I've been one of the uh, I've been one of the people I, I I get up and bring my guitar to the uh, Barnes and Noble, and and they they me play for about a half an hour to an hour, just do different songs and stuff as part of the. Uh, and, and I do get to bring my tip box and stuff. I've gotten some tips and stuff before, um, you know, uh, you know, things like that. So, so it's kind of fun to get to uh, help out, you know, my local college by doing a fundraiser at the Barnes and Noble books, uh, Barnes and Noble bookstore. It's in our, uh, it's in one of our local malls. It's, it's one of our local, it's in our, one of our local malls now is where it's at. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, you would, you would, you'd have to. Uh, you know, have some kind of uh, you know incentive besides just the books to the the the, 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 the coffee you know the, the coffee or sandwich and have a book you could talk about books or whatever and you know you read a book while you're having your coffee and sandwich or whatever you'd have to do that or else if you didn't uh, nobody would nobody would want to come to the store really because you're right about the prices and yeah I mean you can get things so much quicker on the internet too I mean you can order something you oh yeah I want to download that book oh yeah it cost me five bucks all right. Here, here, I'm gonna, you know, I want to buy it button. Okay, go to PayPal, 
Go to credit card, boom, okay, I bought this $5 Kindle book. Okay, download the book to my tablet or whatever. Boom, I'm, re- I'm reading my, reading the newest, you know, Mary Higgins, Higgins Clark or John Gisham or whoever, Noah Roberts, whoever, you know, whatever you want. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's quicker, it's cheaper, you know, so it's, so it's definitely, I hope, hope uh, it's, I agree with Alan when he said it, the important thing is to read. I agree. I mean, reading is, reading is important. I mean, that's, you know, and it's, yeah, and everything, so. Yeah, it's so interesting. My, my cousin, um, he loves to read, and he can do something that I was never able to do. He can go to a bookstore and buy a cup of coffee and take a book off the shelf, and he'll just sit there for, like, hours and just read the book. And then he'll come back, you know, a few days later, and he'll read the next section of the book. And it's so interesting to me because, I, unfortunately, I can't sit still long enough to, like, do this for hours and hours. So when, when you all listen to audiobooks, are you able to, like, sit for long periods of time and listen to audiobooks? Or do you have to, like, get up and move around or something? Because I've never been able to do that. I always envy people that could go to Barnes & Noble or Borders and order a cup of coffee and sit there for two hours and read a book but I, I get very fidgety after a while. So a lot of times when I listen, I listen with headphones and I walk at the same time. So I would like to be one of these people that can just sit and read and, and relax, but I'm, I'm not great at that. Interestingly enough, as far as um, coffee shops in bookstores here, there's coffee shops in, in several of the grocery stores, little little deli-type places, which... I found interesting and also interesting. I, I live in a university town, and there are there is still a university bookstore, and there's an independent bookstore that sells um, books for college classes. Now, both of them have a lot more T-shirts than they did when I was in college, but it's interesting that they still have any textbook stores at all. And as far as sitting still and reading, um, I can do that, but I tend to just because I feel like I need the exercise. I tend to pace back and forth in my apartment while I'm listening to a book or something just because I feel like it, I need the exercise. Um, I do both. Um, like this afternoon, I read a lot of this book while I was ironing. I had a ton of ironing to do. So, you know, that's what I like about audio books is that I can multitask. Or if I'm cleaning the kitchen, I'll be reading a book. But then there will be times where I'll be sitting in my chair knitting and holding a cat while I'm reading. I mean, so... Um, it depends, but I usually am multitasking. But to just sit and read, uh, I don't do that very often, actually. Yeah, for me, I pretty much sit and read because what I like to do is once once a month I go out to lunch by myself, and I always bring my Victor Stream with me or my Book Sense or even my NLS player at times. And uh, what I do is I have my lunch and I sit and I read my book. And if there's any time left, I I, I, I can't keep keep yeah I keep ordering sodas. I keep ordering sodas if I got a half an hour, or sometimes I eat quicker than I think, and I've got a long time to two o'clock, so I just sit there and order, order sodas, and I listen to my, the latest and whatever whatever current book I'm reading. So yeah, most most of the time I, uh, I, I pretty much stay in stay in one place to read. But uh, you are right; that is a nice thing about audiobooks. You can't multitask if you need to, but uh, but everything. But um, yeah, I, I, a lot of times I, can, I will, you know I'll stay in uh, one place when I read. Except when I get up and get a drink or something like that. But yeah, I, I stay in one spot when I read most of the time. Or at least I can anyway. Yeah, I like to walk and, and read at the same time. So I, I find that if I if I sit too still and and am comfortable and, and read try to read for a long time, I'll usually end up falling asleep. So 
it, it is nice that you can can do other things while you're while you're reading and uh so i yeah i take advantage of that it's it's nice and i and and like we said it's it's important to uh uh to teach reading uh you know we read to our kids and my our, my two sons constantly when they were little uh you know go dogs go and you know all the all the popular books of the time and you know good night moon was you know we read that a lot and runaway bunny too i think it was another one of hers but uh uh but my youngest son i don't think he reads hardly at all i'm just glad that when i was growing up video games hadn't gotten uh you know i was a little bit before that time i'm afraid i i might not have developed the love for reading that i have so uh uh, uh, my youngest son got caught up in the whole video game thing, and I think that's uh, what he prefers to do. But uh, hey, uh, uh, hopefully uh, uh, those will be the exceptions and not the rule these days. But but who knows? Yeah, Liz, you do what I do. I actually learned how to knit a couple of years ago because I found when I was listening to audiobooks, I, I needed something to do with my hands, and I have two good friends who both knit and I said to myself you know that's what I should do I should learn how to knit so it it was quite an effort actually finding someone to teach me how to knit because um, I'm partially sighted but I can't really see you know really what's going on so I had to call up a lot of different knitting stores until I found somebody who had the patience to teach me um, and wasn't rude because I had some pretty negative experiences but I did actually find this wonderful woman who did teach me to knit and I'm kind of like an advanced beginner knitter but I do really like to sit and knit and listen to books I find it very relaxing to do that and it's so interesting to me because most people grew up in houses where they're reading you know they had parents who read to them but my house when I grew up both of my parents we had like no books in the house they had these um readers digest condensed books maybe like six of them on our bookshelf and that was it that was the only books that we had in the house and i always loved to read i'm the oldest of four children and i always loved to read so my parents would take me to the library all the time and i would take out books and i would buy books and um and i always loved to read but there was nobody in my house who read except for me And finally, many years later, my dad said to me that when he was younger, he used to really love to read, but then when he started working, he just got too busy and he didn't have the patience to read anymore because I never knew where this came from that I loved to read (laughs) because I grew up in a house with five people and I was the only, uh, five other people, and I was the only one who ever liked to read. So it's very strange. Sometimes when my families get together, I want to talk to them about books and stuff that we've done in different book groups, but like none of them like to read. And my husband also doesn't like to read. So I, I often go to book groups just to be with other people who like to read because I started feeling like I was a freak or something. I was the only person who liked to read. But there's so many people out there who like to read. So I'm so happy that there's book groups and I can share my love of reading with with other people. Um, Similarly, I grew up in a house where reading was just not... I remember one book that my mom read to us, and I don't think we even finished it, but I had a teacher that would read to us for about an hour a day we would just it was you know after lunch or whatever we would just we would have a book that everybody got to vote on it was it was uh, it was in the the braille resource room so it was a small group of kids um and that was that was inspiring you know we read things like sue barton and and um 
Nancy Drew and, you know, some of those books. Um, but my father was a reader. And I remember we got a set of encyclopedia, which was probably the only set of books we had in the house. Um, and he would sit and read from cover to cover the, the encyclopedias just, just because he liked to read. And, and that continued. So um, for me as well, I, I don't, my, my brother and my sister, neither one really do read um, that I'm aware of anyway. So, and my husband does read a lot too, but we sometimes we like the same books, but you know, he generally gets into much more political um, uh, political detail kind of things and and I I I have my own set of <laughs> interests. So, it is good. I like I like having book clubs um, and I love having the online book clubs because they're easy to get to. I have one book club that is a, a in-person book club. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit more challenging to get to, but I really like the online book clubs. They're very, very convenient. You know, my mom was a voracious reader. That's probably what got me into the habit. But I remember, too, in school, like in third grade, the teacher would read to us for about an hour a day. Things like the Bobsy Twins and the Boxcar Children and stuff that were about, you know, third grade level. I loved that. That was just awesome. And my ex-husband and I used to read a lot of audiobooks together. I really got him started on audiobooks. And it was fun. We would frequently drive places rather than fly places because we kind of looked forward to picking a book and listening to it on the road. We listened to the Harry Potter books that way. And we'd frequently, like, stop in the driveway to finish a chapter because we didn't want to stop the book and take it in. So, yeah, it's nice to be able to share reading with people that love it. And it it is a shame that people seem to not read as much as they should. Um, I'm always surprised when I find people that don't read at all. But, you know, people have other interests. I mean, for me, I just came back here, but I, I got to say, for me, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember one of the most favorite times of the day, I think, when I was in, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth grade was when our teacher, would, when, they would, when, they would read, when they would read books for us, they would, they would read for a little bit, and then st- they'd always stop at the best parts, they're like, no, I don't want to leave, I don't want the, they, they, do, they do it on purpose, they would stop at the good bits, and they'd have to wait, you know, until next day to hear what happened, but I, I, I have to say, too, uh, my, my, my aide, uh, Mrs. Powers, that would that would be sometimes where where you, where, you, where there'd be some where, you know we'd they'd be doing stuff in the room and like she, she we used to, we used to go out and sit on the hall and, and it, it, she used to used to read me uh, she used to read me books so I've really got my love of reading for, for about a lot of it being read to in in school by Mrs. Powers and my teachers and and out of school and in school by my mom and I, I do I really do for me in my personal opinion everyone I I really feel that books are a lot better than, te- than movies. I mean, it's not that I don't watch movies or enjoy some movies. I've got, I've got, I've got more described movies now than I'll ever watch. I got like thousands of, you know, two or three thousand I'm probably at least, you know, yeah, about probably about that much. And I just, but to me, when it comes to reading a book or a movie, I'll watch, I'll, I'll read a book because um, recently I, I watched some described movies I never watched before and I just thought, I just thought, one, that movie's, I just kept thinking they were just so dumb. Movies, they were, they were just, and it wasn't really much point, much of a plot. It wasn't, this didn't interest me, you know, and books, I mean, you know, the thing, I mean, books, I mean, nine times, it's so much, you get so much more detail in a book than you do from, 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 from a movie, and, you know, and so many movies are taken from books, you know, it's like they can't think of what they should do movies about, so they choose, people choose books for movies instead, but I mean, I, I, I agree too with, with Liz, like for me, I, for me, I, I definitely like these online book clubs, and I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad that I, 
that I decided to come to this one because, because, because I knew about this book club for years, and I think I came to one or two when it first started, but I thought, nah, I just didn't care for it. And then the reason I started coming back to this club, I wish I'd come to it sooner, was because the, uh, when they did the book, uh, the, 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 same, the same sky, I thought, wait a second, I, I've read that book on my own a few years ago, and I liked it. So I thought, why don't I, come to, why don't I reread the book and come to the, to the group about it? So then I started doing that. This is my third time coming here, I think, so it's definitely nice to get back into the uh, into into the into the uh, habit of coming to these, and they're easy, they are easy to come to. Plus, the cool there's there's a record they're recorded too, you know. So if you can't so if you can't you know make the uh, club in person and you've read the book for whatever reason, you could still you know download the uh, discussion if you wished and listen to it that way. Yeah, I agree with you, Joshua. I prefer a book to a movie or TV show. There's only a couple of movies probably that I would say that I liked as well as the book that was behind it. Um, it's it's about ten o'clock. So, if, does anyone else have any comments about um, this book? If so, we can keep talking. If not, we'll move on to the next book. Yeah, we've been we've been doing fiction old and new in August. It'll actually be four years. Um, and I'm very grateful to you, Alan. You do such a great job with the Accessible World announcements because for a while I wasn't always aware of what all the different groups were reading. But now you're very on top of it, and I'm, I'm very grateful because I always know what all the different groups are reading, and I like to know what they're reading. So, you know, a lot of times the, the books are really interesting. Um, so, um, and you know, we've had, like, ebbs and flows you know sometimes we've had big attendance sometimes we had small attendance but you know we just keep going um and we're going to be um as we do every year we're going to be taking off the month of july because we meet the first thursday of every month and um usually it's when the conferences are in july so it, it you know, a lot of times people go to the conferences and it doesn't always work out well. So we, we like to take off one month a year, and we've decided to take off every July. So the next time we're going to meet is Thursday, August 3rd, and we're going to be reading a book by uh, Dave Eggers. It's E-G-G-E-R-S. It's called A Hologram for the King, and um, it's kind of a com- combination of a a comedy book and a drama book. It's about this this man. He's like a middle aged man, and he has an assignment to go to Saudi Arabia and try to sell technology to the king of Saudi Arabia. But he keeps getting thwarted when he's there, and you sort of see what happens to him and how his life changes and all the decisions that are going on. So some of it is funny, some of it is more serious. Um, it's not a particularly long book. I think it's around ten hours, um, and the title is a hologram for the king and the author is dave eggers e-g-g-e-r-s of course as usual i don't have the db number um but um and we're meeting next time thursday uh august 3rd um i have the db number it is uh let's see where did i put it here it is seven five zero three seven I also put the title, author, and DB number up in the chat window. If you hit F9, you'll be able to arrow down and hear it, and you can copy and paste it. And I noticed, Liz, you had your hand up. Were you going to say something else about this month's book? Um, I just wanted a a little bit of discussion about... um, um, I'm sorry, June's mother, and I can't even remember her name. (laughs) 
isn't that terrible? But so my understanding was she was actually Ruby's niece, and she raised Ruby's baby. Is that correct? Am, am I correct in that understanding? Yeah, that was my understanding too. Um, since she was Ruby's niece, she was June's great aunt, which means in reality, June and her mom would have been. Oh man, I'm getting confused. Cousins, maybe? I don't know. I can't think that much. Yeah, I. You know, it was hard to like her mom because she seemed to be somewhat of a neglectful mom, who left the kids in care of Ruby a lot. But the the author didn't choose to make her, you know, unlikable enough that I found myself really hating her or anything. What did you guys think? Well, Ruby was June's great aunt. So the mother, as as Liz says, was Ruby's niece. So she would have been her aunt in real life, um, I think, um, unless I'm, I'm mistaken. And I actually warmed up to her a lot because I thought she was around 20 years old when she took on the responsibility of raising uh, June. And I thought, you know... I, to me, that's young. 20 years old is young to, to, to be raising a baby. And just the fact that she agreed to do it and to protect June so that Ruby didn't have to put her up for adoption and never really have any idea of what, what happened with her. So I really, I you know, I think in the beginning I didn't like her. But then when I heard the whole story, then I really warmed up to her. Um, and, yeah, she was neglectful, but she was also really young. And then, um, you know, Ruby did the right thing. She stepped in to help out. So she wasn't, she wasn't a wonderful mother, I agree. I can't remember her name either. But I, I gave her some leeway because she was really young, and she did kind of do the, the kind of stand-up thing and, and, you know, help Ruby out of this difficult situation. I, I did kind of, I guess she couldn't move from Seattle. She didn't want to sell her bookstore, maybe. I did kind of wonder why she didn't just take June and move across the country to get away from the Magnusons and, and you know, maybe that would have been another way because sometimes people do that they just uproot themselves and they start over and somewhere else but um i did give the mother for the adopted mother a little slack just based on her age and the fact that i thought that she was really trying to help ruby out yeah uh i looked up that number that was up in the text chat it was i thought it said 75037 but uh the book that came up wasn't the title the one that y'all said Are, are you sure about the book number there sherry I was wondering the same thing. It said something about the big book of steampunk or something when I looked it up. Yeah, at uh, the the mammoth book of uh, <laughs> steampunk. So I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're reading a mammoth book of steampunk. So uh, uh, what was the name of the book again? The hologram, something or other. Um, the book is called a, a Hologram for the King. Hologram is H O L O G R A M. Um, and the author is Dave Eggers, E-G-G-E-R-S. Um, what we do is we, uh, we send out the newswire. Um, well, we. I'm, I, I, Sherry always sends out the newswire. I'm taking credit. I don't even do it. Um, she sends it out to, uh, to you, Alan, and then you distribute it on the Accessible World list, the mailing list, and I guess the DB Review and Bard Talk and all the various places. So... We'll, we'll check the uh, DB number. But the author is Eggers, E-G-G-E-R-S. His first name is Dave. I think he's written like four or five books, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. And it's called A Hologram for the King. 
Come on, you guys. You don't want to read a mammoth book of steampunk? <laughs> there might be a lot to discuss in that kind of book. Um, I, I apologize. I obviously wrote down the number wrong. That's the number I have on my spreadsheet, and I'm not on Bard, so I'd have to go look it up again, and um, I'll have the correct number when I send out the uh, announcement. And I apologize for having the wrong number. So, yeah, if you can remember Eggers, E-G-G-E-R-S, that's probably an easy way to look it up. Yeah, you made a transposition error. It's 75307. 75307. Is anybody going to the conferences in July? Um, is anybody planning to attend any of them? Thanks, Alan. Yeah, I guess I'm getting dyslexic in my old age. Nope, I'm not going this year. I've been the last two or three years, so I'm, I'm staying home this year. And I got to go. And thanks, everybody, for your comments. I really enjoyed the book. And thanks for everybody's comments. It was a great discussion, as always. So take care. Enjoy your Julys. And see you again in August. Um, I'm not going to any of the conferences. I don't really belong to any of the groups anymore. I was telling Sherry that I was very involved with NFB in the late 70s and early 80s, and then again for a few years in the 90s. And um, just, I got I guess I got a little disillusioned, and I have friends that are in ACB now, um, and they're, you know, they're involved, but I don't even think Marsha's going this year. She usually goes to the conferences, but she's not going this year either. I'm, I've never been to any of the conferences. It would be cool, but I'm not a member of NFB or ACB, and the pricing... Uh, to me, they are just way, way, way too expensive. I mean, hotel rooms, flying out there, that 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 take you a lot of money for one thing. Staying at the hotels, and I don't, I don't understand how anybody after pay after paying the money for flying out there in a hotel, how you'd, how you'd be able to buy anything, even if they do get discount prices on some stuff. It's just too much for me, and I'm not a member of either NFB or ACB because around my area, there really isn't any easy way to get to any of the meetings, so that's why I thought it wouldn't be really any point to me be a member at large, because I couldn't make it to any of the meetings, so it would be the point. I mean, closest meeting for me is in Chicago, and I'm not going to go two and a half hours away to, you know, you know, or I, there'd be no way that I could really get there. I mean, I suppose I could, but it would cost me a lot of money if I had to take a, if I had to take a bus to Chicago every time I wanted to go to an NFB meeting and then get back to Rockford and have someone take me back home. That would not really be uh, feasible in my situation. Oh, you know, I always think everybody goes to all the conferences, but I guess some people do, some people don't. But anyway, I think it's good to take a break one one month out of the whole year, so we just kind of pick July. But anyway, th- thank you, thank you, uh, Liz and Joshua for coming. It was it was great having you here, and uh, hopefully you'll you'll both join us again in the future. And um, you know, th- thanks you thank you both for for coming. It was it was really great. Thanks, everybody. I got kicked out of the room, but I'm back, and uh, it was a nice discussion, and I'm glad um, you guys were here, and we'll hopefully resume in August. It definitely definitely, it definitely sounds like a lot of fun. I'm definitely glad that I'm definitely going to, at least as far as I can tell, at least for right now, because I don't really have, I don't, I figure, figure, if I, figure if I, I've got about, this is, this is about the third book club that I'm involved in, so I've got at least, you know, three books a month to read that are, somebody else's and you know i can read the rest of the books the right you know the rest of the books you know that i want the rest of the month i figure i can handle three you, you know you know these books you know you can only ha- you know you can only handle a certain number of them because if you if, if a person tried to belong to every single book club you if, even if you just did online ones forget about other ones you know you never be able to read you never be able to read any books that you wanted to you you trying to be you'd be scrambling to read other people's but yeah i always i'm 
Yeah, it's always been a very good discussion. I thought um, it it really was, and, and and this 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 size, I think I think we had a, we had a perfect size. It wasn't too big. It wasn't you know too small of people. You know, we're able to have a you know just nice you know discussion on the book. So um, I enjoyed the discussion as well, and we'll try to remember to come in on Thursday nights. The only other group that I, the only other online book club I do is the uh, Novel Ideas. Um, but I've kind of looked at some of the other ones too. The Sunday afternoon one doesn't time out very well for me, but...